Thank you so much for listening in to the Kathy Lee Parker Show. With me today, I have Graham Jeffrey. He's an award-winning author. I don't want to turn three. I don't want to turn three. It's a children's book. And he's going to be talking to us about it. And uh, welcome to my show, Jeff uh, Grams. Do I call you hey, Jeffrey? Kathy. Do I call you? I Jeff- appreciate you inviting me. You're welcome. Well, thank you. Um, is it Grams or Jeffrey? It, it just call me Grams. Okay, Grams. Is it good name for the book, the title? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I don't want to turn three. You know, <laughs> I. Uh, I wrote this book uh, because, you know, living this past year because of the pandemic, obviously caused by COVID-19, in isolation, except for for being with my family, you know, gave me a special time to kind of watch and interact with all my grandkids. And I got to tell you what a trip that is because, you know, all six of these kids have completely different personalities. But the one thing they have in common is their sense of curiosity and how excited they get when they do accomplish something. Mm-hmm. You know, watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other is really the basis for this book. You know, what uh, what goes through a toddler's mind, the parents are so desperate to understand. When does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? You know, this book explores how a family finds all this out together. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's, in, especially with this pandemic, everybody got a little closer, you know, at home and and parents had to be had to listen to their children and you know deal with those issues that they normally send them off to daycare or um, preschool or something like that you know what i mean oh yeah you know and i was uh, because of this pandemic all my kids came home for six weeks so i was able to have them all here in the house and around the area so that really gave me a kind of a, a sense to, to, to watch how kids really do interact with each other. You know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old is also part of this story. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. You know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. You know, I I was the remote at the time. Uh, You know, my parents' definition of discipline is quite different than the parents of today. You know, has today's world made for a better place for children to grow up? You know, I'll let you and your listeners kind of answer that question as you weigh in, you know, how you were treated growing up compared to how we're treating our kids today. Mm-hmm. And also, too, um, back again, tell us, before we get too far into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Because you have, you've written two books, I remember you telling me earlier than the show, so... Yes, yes. I, my, in my real career, I was in the business world. I was in uh, retailing and and, uh, and wholesaling and manufacturing, and that's really where I, where I started off my life. Uh, I started a couple of uh, companies. Uh, one was bought by the investors. Another one was taken public. Uh, and the company that uh, that I took public became the premier business-to-business site on the Internet where uh, the, the small businesses could come and buy products to compete against the big guys. And so I wrote my first book, which was called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Be Walmart. And this oh. is a book. It's a 15-chapter book. It's a step-by-step guide on how do you how do you become an entrepreneur and open up your, your business. You know, it's about how you – one chapter is on how to hire people. Another chapter is on, you know, how to find your location. Another one is where do you find your product. 
Uh, you know, another one is uh, is how do you market both on the internet and how you market, uh, you know, both uh, traditionally. And then the last chapter, the next strategy is once you're successful, what do you do with it? So that was my first book that I wrote. And then when I got uh, out of the uh, world of business and uh, COVID hit, uh, that's when I became a children's book writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're award winning. Talk about that one. How did you you know? Uh, yes, yes, I, I won I won a couple of awards, uh, and I, I think I think uh, the reason that I'm able to win these awards is that the theme of the book really is, you know, at what age do you begin to take responsibility for your actions? Is it three years old? Is it thirteen years old? Is it twenty three years old? Yeah, I got plenty of people at sixty three years old that still don't take responsibility for their actions. I know. Uh, so, so you know that's uh, I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, why it's an award-winning book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and a child that's three, four, and five, you know, they're like little sponges. You know, I think they're like little sponges walking around and you say something, their their eyes are open and hearing something for the first time or whatever. They're just like soaking it all in. Well, you know, what's interesting is I, I truly believe that this generation, these kids uh, 1 to 10 years old today, are going to become the greatest generation that this country has ever produced. And, and, and you know, when you think about it, as soon as they come out of the womb, they're on the Internet. And they're learning how to, to use phones. They're learning the screens. They're, you know, they're exposed to all of this information. You know, that you know, I was 40 years old before I got onto the Internet. You know, so... So we've got uh, you know this whole generation coming up that is just so much smarter than we ever were because yeah, they're getting all this information uh, you know sooner. So and, and you're absolutely right; they are sponges. So we as parents and grandparents need to you know offset all this great information they're learning through the internet and electronics to the real world experiences. You know that really is is what our mission is today, is to balance what they're learning with what we learned growing up so that they can become few, you know, good human beings. I think that a lot of these children become scientists and in the tech world, you know, technology, and because look what's happening. You know, have you heard of Uber? You're in Arizona. Grams and yeah. um, they got the first Uber self-driving cars. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, I, mean, I saw that this on is the our internet, new world. This and is our I'm new like, world. these kids are going to be designing these things. They're going to design a lot of robots, and you know, to. I mean, they'll be very educated. You know, you know what I mean. They're just going to be, like you said, more te- tech and and uh, intelligence. It's going to be you know, outstanding and, uh, you know, and we have to set them up in the right direction, but still, I still believe they still need to be children. Remind them that they still need to play and make believe and, you know, that creative mind. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, the the job of of us as adults is to create the curiosity that builds imagination. Right. So, you know, that, that's really what we need to do. And one of the ways we can do that, and one of the ways, again, it's important for us to step in and offset all this great stuff that they're learning, is we need to make sure that they are involved in reading books. 
There's all kinds of reasons why we as parents and grandparents need to make sure that we take the time and become part of the routine of them reading books. Because you know, when, you, when you think about it, uh, the benefits of reading to, to kids is, is, is several of them. For instance, you know, let's assume you're a grandfather like I am, awesome. uh, and everybody's got a few children's books laying around their house. You know, I, I want everybody to buy my book. I don't want to turn three, but you know, there's, there's a hundred other great books out there too. And so you, know, you, you let your child pick out the book you've got laying down there, and then you know, picture them just sitting on your lap. You know, I mean, you got 20 minutes with these kids to, to really go through reading a book and so forth. So what, what, you know, what's the benefit of that? Well, one of the benefits is uh, it's bonding. It gives you a chance to spend some quality time together as they're sitting on your lap, and you can start to bond with these kids. You know, uh, another, another thing that uh, reading books to them as early as we possibly can is, is it, it supports listening skills. Now, you and I know that as we've grown older, older that listening skills are the best skill that we can have. You know, mm-hmm. you're in radio and podcasts. Right. You've got to listen so that you can, uh, you know, become the success that you have become. You know, whether you're in sales, you have to listen. So listening skills are the greatest skill that we can teach these young kids to have. And, you know, reading a book requires them to listen. So this is a great way for another reason we should have them reading books with us. Another reason we should have them reading books with us is it helps develop cognitive and language uh, skills. So, you know, there are plenty of words in these books these kids won't understand, so it gives you a chance to explain them. I'm sure there's plenty of words in these books I don't understand i got to look up. So, so there, there's, there's, it gives you a chance to expand the variety and the number of words that they use. You know, and, and another reason is attention span. You know, you know, these two, three, four-year-olds, they bounce off the wall all day long. You get them in your lap for 20 minutes, and it helps develop key concentration and self-discipline uh, skills. So, you know, we all must encourage all adults to take the time to, to read to children every day. You know, you ever notice, to some children, they want the same book over and over? Read me yes. this story again. Uh, uh, Grams, give me a little bit of inside your book. Read me a story. Well, the story of the book is that uh, the star, Jordan, is two and he's turning three tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so, and this book is based on a true story. Uh, this book is really based on what I observed when I was watching these kids as they were interacting. These six cousins were interacting with each other. Now, if you take a look at the book, all of the pictures in the book are based on, on photographs I took. And then I sent them to the illustrator. She made them into cartoons to, to have a lot more fun. But basically, in the book, you know, Jordan is stealing all his cousins' toys. And, and so... Uh, he finally gets discovered by his oldest cousin, Olivia. They found him in the room, and uh, the, the, the mom and dad you know, call all the cousins together because it was in the middle of his birthday. Uh, and they, they kind of talk through what happened, why did it happen. Mm-hmm. And then Olivia comes up with the idea, which is a true idea that she did come up with, is we need to give everything that... Uh, that uh, Jordan has taken and all the presents he got for his birthday and give it to the homeless kids downtown. So mm-hmm. that's really the theme, the theme of the book. Uh, here, I'll read you one page to kind of okay. give you a feel for okay. uh, what it's all about. 
This is when Olivia discovers everything in Jordan's room that, that he's taken from all his cousins. Then all of a sudden, Olivia screams, what are my dancing shoes doing in Jordan's room? The entire family runs to my private bedroom and Jackson yells, my dinosaurs. And Levi shrieks, my sea creatures. And Baker balls truck and Grace cries, my dolls. And mommy looked at me like today will be my last day alive. Oh, <laughs> that is so cute. And it's full of colors and, you know, cartoons, like you said, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. these children, um, three, four, five, they just love colors and big pictures. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, um, helped another friend with her, her book and uh, but her was more for older children but um we went to a children's book in salt lake city matter of fact it's one of the oldest bookstores and i see a lot of parents with their children looking for a children's book and i thought how cute and how fun is that you know to be with your child where they go and pick out a book but um and I noticed they do like colors, big pictures. And, uh, you know, but it sounds, I saw just a little glimpse of what's inside your book. And it looks fun. And, in, in you know, a child probably want to read it over and over. I just have nieces and nephews. And when I'm visiting with them, they want to read the same book the night before. Or they have their favorite. You know what I mean? Can let me read that again, read that again. But, you know, um, um, I think it's very important. You know, do you think that it, parents are spending more time reading with their children? What do you, how do you feel about that? It's interesting that you went to a uh, bookstore and the kids and parents were interacting with finding the books because, you know, if there's one thing we need to, to you know, make clear to everyone, that it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. So we need to teach children how to think as early as we possibly can. And, you know, and again, going back to, to, to reading books, it teaches children how to think. You know, before you uh, even sit down and read a book, so you, you let the child, he picks up a book, you, know, you want to you ask the question, what do you think is going to happen in this book? You know, before you even open it up, let the child begin to think because we need to teach them how to think. And, you know, once, once you're in the middle of reading a book with a child, you want to you know, say to them, who are the characters in this book? What is the setting? Again, we want them to keep thinking. As you're going along, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? You know, again, keep questioning, keep them thinking because that's our role. You know, because everything they're learning on the Internet, we need to get them questioning it, thinking about it. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of the book, what was your favorite part of the book? Much like, you know, dinner time, you should be asking, you know, what was your favorite part of your day at the end of every book? What was your favorite part? Why was it your favorite part? Mm -hmm. Again, necessary for us to teach children how to think. Not what to think. They learn that on their own, but okay. how to think. What about children that are a little bit younger, like two you know, and one and two years old, or, you know, especially at two. Do you ever have any audio where you're reading the book? Uh, interesting that uh, the, the, the kids do like just to, 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 to read a book and, and take it. Now, in my particular case, mm -hmm. uh, because 
my grandchildren, the, the actual characters of this book, you know, they love to read. In fact, uh, last week, uh, Olivia grabbed a copy of the book, and uh, she's, she's nine years old now, and she grabbed a couple of her younger cousins, and she didn't see I was watching them, but they ran underneath my my desk, and she started reading the book to them. You know, and, and Levi says, that's me in the bathtub. And, and Jackson says, that's me at the playground. You know, so, so they like to participate. And I'm sure that, you know, even though this book is about them, that, that uh, other parents who were in similar situations, because I, I'm telling you, what happened to us is not unusual. This is, this is a story of every family, probably all across the world, where there's conflict, there's not sharing, there's fighting, and then there's a resolution. So I think that this is a story just for about every every family. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, so how do you feel that, um, where do you see yourself going with this book, you know, in the future? Are you going to write it a secondary? Well, no, this, you know, this is the first book. I'm working on uh, another book called I Don't Want to Turn Four. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, when you think about it, there are plenty of times where, you know, I don't want to turn 30. I don't want to turn 50. I don't want to turn 70. There's themes for all of us that we look forward and we look back. Olivia came to me last month when she turned nine. She says, Gramps, I got a great idea for our next book. I said, what is it? She says, I don't want to turn 10. I said, what? Why don't you want to turn 10? She says, well, you know, I got to start thinking about driving. I don't know if I want to do that. I said, that's seven years away. Why would you even worry about it now? And she says, you know, you know, I gotta start thinking about picking out a college. I said, that's nine years away. Why are you worrying about that now? Mm-hmm. But she came up with the idea. I don't want to turn ten. So at every age, I think we can look forward and look back and say, I, I don't know if I want to get any older. <laughs> I still say that every year. <laughs> My birthday. I don't want to turn another year old. But anyway, um, or I don't look forward to this age and, you know, but anyway, um, you could do something too. write a book to where, you know, especially I miss being 10, you know, or I miss being, you know, because you do miss those years. I remember when I was hitting my 30s, right at my 29th birthday, I cried, oh my gosh, I'm going to be 30, you know. And how you miss those years. Do you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to be three, but yet, you know, what about I miss being, you know, 10 years old or I miss, you know, doing those fun things where there's no responsibility as adult. You know what I mean? You just have child responsibilities. But anyway, um, yeah, the world. Yeah, we're living I, I, in I, can, I can relate to that, you know. Um, when, when, when I was turning 40, I, I needed to finally get glasses, but, uh, you know, I was so vain that I went a whole year not getting glasses and I could hardly see. So, <laughs> you know, we, we all have those times in our life. Where I don't want to turn 40, but, uh, you know, I had to, I had to go buy glasses. I don't want to turn a year old, you know, I don't want to, yeah, because yeah, that, that would be really good selling book i don't want i want to be 10 i just want to stay 10 <laughs> i remember those 10 years being 10 years old oh, i loved it you know play and all that stuff make believe and I, I grew up you know i'm a baby boomer and i grew up where my mother sat me and my brother down and she would read to us you know we had reading time 
and I loved it because she made the characters come alive. And uh, and you remember, and I remember we asked the main book over and over, you know, or, or whatever. But she got into bigger books when we got older. But the children's books were were fun, too. Well, you, you know, t- today's world is just so much different than when I was growing up. You know, I was lucky enough. I grew up in a small town in Ohio, and uh, my my uncle lived up the street. And my grandmother lived two blocks away, and you know, uh-huh. we had the whole family there. So they all participated oh. in 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 raising us. But you know, using me as an example, you know, I got kids all over the country. I you know, I've got uh, I've got one. A child, one of my girls lives here with two of her kids in Scottsdale, Arizona. But I've got another daughter in uh, Austin, Texas, with two of her kids, and I got another daughter in Orlando, Florida, with two of her kids. So we don't have that influence that you know that when my uncle and my grandmother lived around the corner, you know, that they can influence us. So that's one of the hardest things about being grandparents today is these kids are all scattered all over the place. Yeah, and so how I do hear you that story because. because you know, they're not going to call you. They're, they're, they're in their own little worlds. You know, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll give you an example of what we did, and I'm sure your listeners have all kinds of stories that they can relate to. So, you know, when we had them here all during COVID for the six weeks, and they all had very familiarity with our house and our yard and so forth, um, and then they, they went home. But the one thing that, that I noticed in little kids, two, three, four, five years old, is the language that they all talk to each other in is dinosaurs. I don't know why, but these little kids, two, three, and four-year-olds, they can say the names of these dinosaurs, these big, long names of these dinosaurs. They can tell me if they meet. They can tell me who they fight with. You know, I, I know dinosaurs as small, medium, and large, but they can really, you know, they can really get into this. So we, we found this, and, I, and when they go to play with their friends, they're talking dinosaurs. So we found that dinosaurs was kind of like a common language for all our grandkids. So we had, you know, six little dinosaurs laying around our house. So what we did once they went back to Texas and and Orlando, you know, we decided that we were going to have the dinosaurs do something different every night. So one night they were in the refrigerator eating blueberries. And the next night they were next to their grandmothers, whose name is Kathy also, uh, and washing dishes, you know, with soap on their noses. The next night they were playing the piano. The next night they were walking up the steps. So we had 50 different nights inside and outside the house where the dinosaurs were doing something. So what happened was we became part of these kids' routine, when, you know, the ones that weren't living near us. You know, they would, parents would give them their bath. Mom and dad would read them their, uh, their stories. And then they would say to their mom and dad, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So they would call my wife's iPhone. We would get on FaceTime. And they say, where's Graham? Where's Graham? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that was our way of keeping in touch and, you know, relating to our, our, our grandkids who weren't close by that we could hug. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure your listeners have other ways that they could do it because it's just so important for grandparents to stay in these lives of these kids because we only have so much time. You know, we can only influence them for probably 18 years, probably less than that when you become teenagers. But, but uh, you know, we've got to be able to help influence and make sure that they become whole people. Mm-hmm. That is That is true and give them boundaries. I like the fact that your book is teaching, it's so simple, but yet it's teaching some values or not just values, responsibility, responsibility. Because in the, when you read the first couple pages, it was responsibility that you're teaching and, you know, how one, you know, when I'm getting in trouble and 
looked at mom and you know okay i'm dead <laughs> but anyway um but that that's good and and then you can discuss that with your you know child about the responsibility and believe me they they soak it up and they will listen i got a story to tell you real quickly i um had a boyfriend who had some children and i was babysitting one afternoon while he did some you know some things but anyway and i told the older child he was bad and i said go to your room and don't come out until i tell you it's okay i totally forgot about him but he stayed in that room <laughs> until i heard your little words kathy can i come out i'm like oh my gosh i forgot about him but anyway uh, not that I, I didn't leave him in there for very long it was just about an hour but anyway but i forgot about him because it's supposed to be only 30 minute punishment but anyway it's so interesting how they take the responsibility if you read to them you know let's kind of turn that let's let's kind of let's, let's look at what are the parents responsibility in today's world okay you know, yeah okay you know in today's world of instant information uncertainty cruelty you know yeah. differences in ideas you know what is really the true role of parents obviously parents you know, they provide their children with food and clothing and a place to live. They also provide financial support, medical care, you know, the opportunities to receive an education. You know, and, and they are to protect their children from harm and provide them a safe environment, you know, which includes supervision and, and, and controlling of uh, any situation. But, um, but because parents are the most influential people for our children, you know, they have more power to bring the good qualities needed in our daily lives. You know, traits that you know, all parents should strive, I would say, to instill in kids, you know, would include honesty, you know, responsibility, kindness, independence, respect, positive thinking, creativity. You know, we're teaching them healthy eating and exercising to stay in shape. Yes, that we can, uh, they can learn from failure. So success can be learned. It's okay to fail. You know, and obviously how to have fun. You know, how to go outside and play. And you know, also so, too. Graham, I, when I punish my friend's child, not bad, you know, nothing, you know, but when I forgot about him, I went up the stairs and I let, you know, he was, the door wasn't shut or nothing, but he stayed in the room and I looked, got down to his level and I gave him big hugs and I said, I am so sorry. And I told, I took the responsibility leaving me in there too long and he goes, that's okay. But you know, but the point is, is you give them love too when it comes to punishment. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, I'm sure that, that you can go back and think about when you were growing up, you got some great memories of your parents and your grandparents. You also have some bad right. memories too, but yeah. you know, it just shows you how, 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 how we can mold them. I'll give you an example. In my life, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were babysitting for the two kids that are here in, in Scottsdale because their, their parents uh, went uh, on an anniversary trip. And so we had for the weekend. So we did all the fun things, you know, as grandparents did. You know, we, we, we took them to the park. We went to a museum. Uh, you know, we got the old Wii that we had 20 years ago. You play on the TV. We played that. You know, we played games with them. You know, we were in Arizona, so we went swimming. Did all the great things that, that the kids have fun. But on Saturday night, uh, Levi, who just turned seven, is a very picky eater. He eats hardly anything. And his grandmother said to him, Levi, if... Uh, you don't need what I put in front of you. You know, you can't watch TV the rest of the night. You can't play on your iPhone and iPod the next rest of the night. So, yeah, you know, we take the kids back to their parents. 
you know, and Olivia says, oh, we had the greatest time. We went swimming, we went to the park, went to the museum. The only thing that Levi remembered is that grandma made me eat something I don't want to eat. <laughs> and I can tell you, when he's 40 years old, he's going to remember that. Yeah, it's true because my brother had the same issue. I think it's just something with their taste buds. I remember um, they're changing. And uh, and for them with food, it's different with boys than it is for little girls. And uh, and he would not eat. But I remember the same story because my grandma did the same thing to my brother. And, you know, he talks about that every once in a while. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I didn't eat my vegetables and my you know this and this and this i couldn't go out and play or yeah our time was you know go out and play but you know um yeah yeah that, that's so funny it's so interesting but we found out it's boys have a different taste buds you know taste is changing so food is like well i don't know if i like this doesn't taste good but when they get older they're gonna love it <laughs> but anyway but make the long Another story short, tell me about, um, you know, I know we talked about it earlier, the importance of teaching children in the beginning of reading early. Can you give me some more advice that you have on that when it comes to your books? Because I know you can be ready uh, to work. The, obviously, we have got to be the role model for these children. I mean, when I say that is... Yeah, if you as the parent mm -hmm. are spending a lot of time on your screen, your child's going to be one of be on their screen. Yeah. And if you as the parent are spending time reading, then children will learn to spend time reading also. If you're so taking true. playing outside the kids, they just mimic you. They they do what you do, and so never lose sight of that. That. That we are the role models. They are just like you had said initially. They're sponges. They absorb everything we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, for for instance, if, if you say a cuss word in front of your child, I can guarantee you're going to hear that same cuss word four or five more times that day. Yeah. In, yeah. in order to offset that, as soon as you say the cuss word, say to them things that they like, like bananas and. Uh, you know, dinosaurs, you know, and talk about things that they like. So hopefully they'll forget that. But they just repeat what you are. So never lose sight that, you know, that you are the role model. So in, in that kind of a sense, you know, we as parents sometimes forget to tell the kids how good they're doing and how positive things. You know, so never lose sight that you should always be saying positive things to your children, like I'm grateful for you or you make me proud or your words are meaningful, or you have great ideas, or okay. you know, I love being your parent. All kinds of things to reinforce that you are the role model, and they will be repeating the values that you set up. Mm -hmm. I think um, children that are being brought up today, the parents are making them think. Because I, you know, I in my neighborhood, there's a lot of children and the parents, and then they'll say, well, Tommy, what do you think? What do you think we should do? And the child's thinking and thinking, and the parent knows what he's going to say, but the, let him spit it out, you know. And then also, too, Graham, when I was growing up, things were a little bit more strict, you know, and I didn't get a chance to think for myself as they do today. I think it's just that generation, and it's more parents protecting us. So I think it was more overprotected. But I remember 
something too when my father would get mad i never heard my father say a swear word never ever and what what he would say is jimmy crickets <laughs> we would just know he was mad jimmy crickets you know like oh, oh dad's mad her dad's you know stumped his toe or something you know what i mean but he would say the word jimmy crickets but he never swore never and he got it from his parents his parents were very can't do that in the home you know swearing and stuff but anyway, but it was interesting. And so I find myself saying Jimmy Crickets to my friends. <laughs> I remember my husband, like, he always say that word, Jimmy Crickets. I said, I'd rather be saying that than something else. <laughs> well, you know, you think about it, how much discipline has changed from when we were growing up to what it is today. Know. Now, you know, our parents, they were part, of, they are the greatest generation this country ever produced because they're the ones that went through the depression. They're yes. the ones that went to World War II and saved the world for democracy. So when they came back, you know, it was a very disciplined group, and rightfully so. I mean, they, they had to go through all kinds of stress to, to pull it together. So they were pretty well disciplined. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, if uh, my brother Larry and I got in trouble, my mother would say, what do your dad get to me? Yeah. You know, and, and then when, uh, when my dad would come home, he'd whip out his belt, and he would chase us around the kitchen table. You know, and, you know, that, that was discipline at the time. In fact, you know, he had this fraternity paddle that he kept in his closet and used that too once in a while. So one, one late fall day, you know, when there were a lot, of, a lot of leaves on the ground. My brother and I, when the parents were gone, we went and took his paddle. And we buried it in the leaves uh, in our backyard. And then it snowed the next day. And so that spring came around and the paddle was gone. To me, that was a miracle. <laughs> the actual paddle was gone. Uh -huh. you know? But, you know, that was discipline uh, when, when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s. I think we kind of learned from that. And we didn't go chasing our kids around the kitchen table. You know, we would uh, send them to time out and we would... Uh, you know, have them sit in the corners and, and we would question why they did things right. wrong or right. And right. then they grew up and they, I think they're the best parents now because they do send their kids to, to, to time out and let the kids think about uh, what they did and why they're away from all of the, the <laughs> other people. So, you know, I think discipline really has evolved. Yeah, it's, it's really changed. And, and good story books that come out, like the one that you have and and uh, is really positive, you know, and gets the children thinking about the responsibility. Do I steal all my sister's, I mean, my brother's toys and put it in my closet or something like that? You know what I mean? It's it's really a good story to tell. And it makes them think and then they don't do it. Or, or they'll talk about the story in the book. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, you know, talk, you know, talk about the, you know parents' influence and, and discipline and all that. I was just at another one of my granddaughter's third-year-old birthday in uh, in in Austin a couple months ago, and uh, you know, she and her four-and-a-half-year-old brother were sitting on the floor, and they were fighting over these uh, trucks that she had gotten for her birthday. And she looks at her brother, his three-year-old. She looks at her brother and she says, "I need my space." And she gets up. And she walks over to one side of the sofa, and then he looks at her, and he says, you know, I need my space, too. And he walks over to the other side. Well, they didn't learn that on the Internet or television. I am sure that one day their mother got so frustrated with both of them and looked at them and said, I need my space, and walked away. You know, but it's a great teaching moment, and it's, it's just another way of how they're communicating so much better than we did when we were raising them.
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I need my springs. <laughs> that's a good one. But anyway, um, especially for a child to bring that up. But, you know, what did they learn? They learned something. They learned they need their own time out from each other so they don't bully. That is such a good, the mom did a good thing. She probably didn't know it, but she probably yeah. taught them some really good influences. So tell me, what do you think about the technology influence, influencing today among the youth? Well, what, what is, I, I, I think it's great. I, I think technology is great. But, but one thing we got to step back and, and think that, that what this pandemic has done to our kids. Okay, I mean, obviously technology is there to offset it, but this pandemic has our kids reading less. You know, so what's happening is, yeah, according to the United Nations Educational Scientific Cultural Organization, they call it UNESCO, you know, there's 584 million children worldwide that are now having reading difficulties. You know, that compares that before the pandemic, there were 460 million. So that's a 20% rise around the world the kids just can't read like they once did. Then, you know, that wipes out two whole decades of educational gains that this world has been striving to do. You know, the Stanford Graduate School of Education also released a study reporting that second and third graders' reading fluency is now 30% behind what would be expected in the typical year. I mean, you need the fluency in the early grades so that you can understand things in the later grades. Those are major issues that we have got to make up for. And so if we as adults can concentrate on trying to make up for what these kids lost during COVID, uh, we just got to get a lot of work to do just to get them back to be even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they see their parents on the Internet and they're probably working. And so the children are either watching TV or gaming. What do you think of this? I don't like this gaming stuff. I, Some values, yeah, but not, I don't know. They're not reading. Like you said, they're just not reading a book. I just remember, and you do too, our teenage years, we read. We read books, you know? Yeah, I mean, gaming does provide some skills. In other words, it really creates okay. dexterity and uh, you know, hand coordination and things like that. Uh, it teaches them all kinds of new information as long as they're playing the right games. But okay. Yeah, okay. We, we got to get them to read. To do, it's okay to do some gaming, but do some more reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's. I have a book on Charles Dickinson, Dickinson and somebody didn't even know heard, heard of it. And I looked at him and said, don't you remember growing up reading his books, you know, or reading the big, thick book on Charles Dickinson, you know, and... Uh, I was so surprised. I just looked at this person and thought, well, you know, here, well, you know, borrow the book, read it. Trying to, answer, trying to answer your question, technology is there to help these kids achieve their goals. You know, we need to teach our children how to set goals and then learn with their technical skills to get to the goals quicker. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what technology is for. Oh, I got a good idea. I'm going to throw it at my nieces and nephews. You know, get them to read a quarterly, because I know they won't do it monthly, but read a book. Read a really good book and then have them tell me about it. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll pick it out for them and say, okay, each one of you get a different book, and I want you to read it and then report back to me in three months. 
<laughs> I know my they're more into technology and stuff, but I need to get them to read. You know, because reading a book is different than the movies. You know that. That you know, you can read a good book and then they make a movie out of it, but it's still not the same. But the book is much more good. Do you know what I'm saying? So are you are you going to give them a reward if they uh, report back to you in three months with a book report? Yeah, I can probably do that. I'll probably give them a reward, some movie passes or something, something that they like to do. You know, they're young, yeah. so I can give them assignment to read their Aunt Kathy. <laughs> so I I don't know. I just I don't see them reading, and I don't see it like you and I. I mean, I don't know. I grew up where I my cousins. We had a book in our hand, or we were reading. We would discuss it with our grandparents and our parents. You know what I mean? We would talk about the book, so or what we were reading. Maybe I brought up differently. Or my family's more education. They all got educated four years and PhDs. But anyway, so you had to. We that was forced into us by my grandparents. So, what's your role as a grandparents? role in raising their children what do you how do you see that happening today and tomorrow what do you see in the future for that well yeah grandparents it's interesting um you know first of all we got to realize that they're only ones young ones and so we've got to make sure we get involved with them quickly but at the same time we also have to realize that you know we as baby boomers and grandparents you know, the COVID, the 65 years and older in the population of the U.S. is 16% of the population, but you know, 75% of the COVID deaths came from that same group. So we're losing grandparents and baby boomers right and left. You know, besides the normal heart attacks and the, you know, and the cancer and so forth, we also have lost them with COVID deaths. So we're here today, gone tomorrow. We have got to make sure that what we do is uh, influential, and we have to do it quickly. But mm -hmm. problem is, thirty percent of grandparents are classified as being remote. Yeah, and, and the, the, the definition of remote is is uh, you know that uh, they rarely see their grandchildren, and the most contact is made you know just on a birthday or just a holiday. Think about that. That's one out of every three of us that are not involved in our children's lives. You know, and, wow. you know it, it can be caused by all kinds of reasons. I mean, you're not in the neighborhood, so you're not around, so you don't pay much attention. You know, a lot of the uh, baby boomers say, hey, I raised my kids. You know, we, we raised them smartly. They'll, 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 they'll figure it out. They'll raise their kids, and, you know, we'll go on with our life. But, you know, there's a lot of things that grandparents do that cause them to be classified as this remote. You know, they, they grandparents can facilitate dividing spouses and, and can cause generation anxiety between them and their kids. You know, uh, things that cause that or giving unsolicited advice by telling your kids, which are the, kids, the grandkids' parents, what to do. You know, just disrespecting the boundaries by just dropping in unannounced. And, uh, you know, so grandparents can cause some strife and can cause the... The, the, their children to push them away. You know, um, the, the, the one thing that, that cause kids to push away their grandparents is, you know, the, we undermine the parents' authority. So we, we challenge what a parent is teaching their children. You know, the grandparents question the parents' values and the family structure. 
you know, that will very quickly push us away from letting our kids get involved in these kids' lives. You know, we, we as grandparents tend to play favorites and manipulate siblings. It's very easy to play favorites. We shouldn't do it, but it is very easy to do it. So, you know, we manipulate them. That causes us to be uh, taken out of the scene. You know, transaction controls, you know, we try to, to, to keep the, keep them happy, give them money, gifts, vacations. That's how we control them. Parents are like that, you know, that's what causes it. You know, we have a lack of empathy. You know, we don't have the ability to understand and share feelings with another. You know, whether it's the kids or the grandkids, you know, that you know, young children need empathy. And we as grandparents have got to show it. Um, and then, you know, grandparents who demand a child, a grandchild comply and respect them, you know, that causes. So, so you know, a third of us are not involved in raising our grandkids' lives. And there's all kinds of reasons that we have been part of that problem. I... You know, I grew up with them very thankful. My grandparents showed respect towards my parents and even as kids or their grandchildren. And I remember my um, grandfather, especially my grandma, and she would say things like, would you like me to do, to read a book to you? Or would you like, she gave me the opportunity to think. And um, she taught me how to play the piano. She... Um, one of my grandmothers and well, both of them were great, and they all read. They all read to us, but they, my they always ask, and I thought that was so nice that my grandparents asked me my opinion. Do you want me to come over? Do you would you like me to, you know, write to you and things like that, and or would you like to write to me? And and so I did, <laughs> but it was in those days. But today. These grandparents can use Zoom, Facebook, the internet to communicate with their children, even read them a book, a story tell. You know, you can do that. And, you know, they can sit there and listen to their grandparents read to them. And uh, I don't know, I, I just see things a little different, the responsibility of grandparents that they should step up and let the parents and the grandchild make a decision and usually they of course they'll say yes because they want to be around their grandparents you know 90 percent of it would be 100 percent yes even when they're older they'll love it oh my grandma's calling me today or i got a meeting with my grandfather you know what i mean and then you have that one-on-one -on -one with your grandparents when you get older too you learn that respect and then that goes into Oh, here's my counseling coming in. It's kicking in a bit. It goes into um, when they get older, make decisions when they get married. You know, take that responsibility. But everything starts at that young age, three, four, and five. And that book that you have out is so cute. You know, I don't want to turn three. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's cute. You know, they don't want to go there. Because being three and four and five, it's so fun. We remember those yeah. days, riding bikes and hiking and make-believe. Because our generation, we did more of, we had to think to make fun. You know what I mean? Hiking and biking and, you know, um, climbing trees, building forks. You know, we did things a little different. And uh, um, and using a telephone, which I don't know what a telephone is these days. But it's it's really, you know different and today it's the technology and 
you know, they, if they want to talk to grandma and grandpa, they can Zoom and, you know, have special time. And the parents can be right there with them. And they see that and, you know, brings families closer and understanding and respect towards each other. You know, going back to the idea that you were talking about is, you know, it's necessary for us to, to, to teach our children how to think. And we do that by asking them questions. Right, you know, there's, right. There's, you know, there's, there's this one question that I wish that every family would ask their child, two, three, four years old, okay. and ask this question every single day. Because the kids won't understand it the first couple of days. The question is, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Okay. Now, you know, you asked that to them the first time, and you got two cousins fighting over the toys. And, I, you know, well, you know, I didn't do anything nice. But maybe by the second day, you know, they'll say, well, maybe I gave my cousin's toy his toy back. You know, if, but if you ask that question to your child every day, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? After three or four days, you know, Maybe they'll hold the door for uh, someone that they're walking into the room. Maybe they'll walk an old lady across the street. You know, but if you start to ask them that question every single day, and you know, after four or five days, they're going to say, "Well, I got to come up with an answer." So you know, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're going to possibly do right. something. But can you imagine how much that would change this country if everyone asked each other, "What did you do today that was nice to someone else?" And, uh, yeah, this generation, if they start that, you know, who knows how far they can take this country when they grow up. Right, right. You know, it's it's fun to, the, I always hear stories, oh, it's fun to be a grandparent because you can send them back. But I don't know, I still believe that grandparents have a huge responsibility in the eyes of a child. And, of course, I always have this story I you know, now I would tell my mom, I said, hey, I told grandma things I would never tell you. <laughs> but because I trusted my grandparents. Does that make sense? I leaned on them when I know my parents will kick my butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I tell them, but they gave me a different understanding. Does that make sense? So grandparents play such a very important role in the youth of a child. Yeah, don't don't lose sight that it takes a village to raise a child, especially in the families that are single parent families. Oh and, yeah, so we can talk about that. Divorce and things like that. It takes it takes it takes the grandparents, it takes the parents, it takes the uncles, it takes the aunts, it takes the cousins, it takes the friends. You know, it takes all of us to raise a child. So what you're saying is exactly right. You may not have felt comfortable telling your parents what you told your grandparents because <laughs> they're part of your village. Yeah, that's so true because. Yeah, and I remember one time I was mad at my mother, and I started telling her mother, which is my grandma, Arr! and she stopped me. She goes, Kathy, that is my daughter, and, you know, you need to show a little respect towards that, and, yes, yeah, she's your mother, and you're upset, but please don't go there, and I never forgot that, never, ever, and to this day, I still tell that story, but, you know, i never forgotten so I shut up and showed respect towards my mother, even though I was mad at her. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but just to show respect. And, yes, you're, like you said, yeah, it takes a village to raise children. And and um, each child is unique and different. And, and as parents, we need to be listeners, always listening, always listening. And the same thing with um, 
grandparents and aunts and uncles. Yeah, you're right. Because when I call my nephews and nieces, they're always like, oh, Aunt Kathy, you know. Their voice change and they take time to listen to what I have to say. Or, of course, I always ask them, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and they get excited to tell me their stories or what they're doing in the past, you know, 30 days or whatever. So no matter how old they are, they always want to hear from you. Always. Mm-hmm. And this, um, the book that, you know, that you've written is amazing. I like the title. I don't want to turn three. I don't want to turn 30. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I don't want to turn, you know, 70 or something like that. I mean, we all have it. We're all like children, so in some ways. And, and uh, oh, I remember an older woman that I um, visited with, and she was she still loved her parents. She talked about her, but even though they passed on, and you can see the little tear in her eye, and she just amazed about talking about her parents and how she was brought up, and she remembers some stories. So parenting, no matter what age you are, it's still there no matter what you know you ever heard the story too when somebody says i'm still your mother or i'm still your father <laughs> you know <laughs> to, the, to the child you know even if he is 25 or 40 you know what i mean the parent still wants that respect and um um and then the child straightens up and he doesn't forget about that you know <laughs> even though he might be mad and grumpy and walk away they just never forget and um, I like your story, and I don't want to turn three. And it's amazing, your award-winning author. Congratulations. I'm sure that wasn't easy to get there. And, uh, you know, and all books and stuff. And and you're writing another one. So um, that's exciting as well. And children books is so important. And I know there's so many children books out there, so many, many, but children love books. You know, they love books. So it doesn't matter if you have two to a hundred books in your house, they'll read them. They'll, they'll read every single one of them and help them. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and if I was to leave you with one thought, it would be that when you love, you will teach others how to love. Of course. So it's the same thing with reading. You know, when you read, you'll teach others how to read. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, if any of your listeners want to continue this conversation, uh, more than happy to uh, email me at scrampsjeffrey at uh, gmail.com. Or they can buy the book, I Don't Want to Turn 3, on my site at gramsjeffrey.com or I Don't Want to Turn 3.com or uh, Barnes and Noble or Amazon, about other hundred places on the internet. So, you know, feel free if your listeners want to continue the conversation to reach out to me. And also, too, you you mentioned earlier that you are coming out with another book. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on it right now. Oh my gosh, you Graham, you got to come back on my show, and uh, I want to hear. I I have a lot of repeats, so my my guests love to come back. So please do come back with your other book. Is it going to be out this year or the first of next year? Yeah, probably by the the end of this year. Oh, my gosh. It'll be a great holiday book. I am going to look for yours. I have nieces and nephews, and I have lots of friends who have children, and I'd be more than happy to pass your book along. 
for you know to Great. them and uh now give out your website do you have a website so you, can, uh, you can obviously you can buy the book on amazon or barnes and noble but my website is gramsjeffrey.com and i don't want to turn three.com okay because i looked it up and there was another author that written you know i don't want to turn three and uh, make sure it has your name on there grams jeffrey is that correct that's correct because i don't want to turn three yes and you are the war award-winning author the other person is not and uh and well congratulations on your book and, and for all the awards that you have won so far on them and hopefully be continuing as bestseller out there and it's not easy to be a bestseller especially in children's books there's so many so congratulations on that and i would love to have you come back on my show if there's a with um more with your new one especially at the end of the year for a holiday would it be out before the holidays all right well, we can always talk about my first book the secrets of retailing how to be walmart that's for entrepreneurs and small business yes. owners. So we can always have a conversation on that too yes because that is everybody needs help with that especially the way Amazon is and Walmart and how things are changing in the retail because it's turning towards the internet because people don't want to get out of their car and go shopping. <laughs> you know, yeah, they want and, you know, as a tease for that book, it, uh, in my opinion, this is the best time to become an entrepreneur and business owner probably ever in this country. So I think there's lots of opportunities for everyone. Okay, well, let's bring you back on that. Let's do it in the fall or August, between August and September, because that's when sure, new businesses to, start. Be glad to come back. Okay, well, thank you so much. It was so fun to have you on, and uh, congratulations on your book as award-winning author. I don't want to turn three. A children's book. Thank you so much, Graham. Thanks for inviting me, Kat. You're welcome. Have a nice evening.